as we sing, walking in sunlight all of my journey, over the mountains, through the deep veil. Jesus has said, I'll never forsake thee, promise divine that never can fail. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Sing, singing his praises, Jesus is mine. Shadows around me, shadows above me, never conceal my Savior and guide. He is the light, in him is no darkness, ever I'm walking close to his side. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine hallelujah i am rejoicing singing his praises jesus is mine in the bright sunlight ever rejoicing pressing my way to mansions above singing his praises gladly i'm walking walking in sunlight sunlight singing my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness lifted up with me my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness i dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on jesus name on christ the solid rock i stand
singing, you may be seated. Brother Dave Barbie, would you open us in prayer tonight, please? Brother Dave. <clears throat> Missionary letter tonight. Okay, question for last week. We had missionary letter that they said they have, they've so far have waited 22 months to get their visas renewed. What missionary was it that said that? Got 50 50 chance, if you remember the two missionaries. Anybody remember? Yes, ma'am. Huh? Switzer's is correct. Do you want the regular Hershey's or the Baby Ruth? The regular candy? Okay, I'll get it to you. Our missionaries for this week are Dan and Lynn Sehested. I think I'm saying that right. To Romania. <clears throat> it says that attendance was up today, and he had some visitors named du Doru and Vasil uh, that came in, and he thinks that helped with the visitors because it was a guest speaker. And kind of, you know, when you have guest speakers, sometimes people show up for those speakers if they like them. And then it says, it basically, is asking for a lot of prayer requests. There's a uh, Roxana Duda's sister, Loanna. Lo uh, she is having uh, some health issues, has thyroid cancer, and they don't believe she's saved. So be praying for her physical and spiritual needs. And then there's a, <clears throat> a church member named Mariora. And she's been sick for quite a while, but she was able to actually make it to church. So he was, that's a praise report. And then he said that Lynn's Bible study and craft time on Saturday with the ladies went very well, except that he heard that the preaching went very long. You know how them ladies like to preach very long and stuff. So. And then, of course, it says uh, be in prayer for them as they are trying to uh, lead the people there in Romania to grow in the Lord and stuff also. And then we have the Ottersons. And they are missionaries to Ethiopia as well as South Sudan. It seems like they go back and forth from the reading the letters and stuff. <clears throat> but it says that they had a special New Year's greeting from the Baptist churches in Mawut, South Sudan. And I'm going to show you the picture. You can look at it when you're on the table there. But it, it's showing the, the church there sent them a letter with their church building of a tin roof, mud walls, and open air. And he said that they were just sending that saying thank you both to him as the missionary as well as to all the churches that support them for giving them the ability to be able to build a church and have a church there. Lots of people being saved in that area. And it says that they're growing rich in faith, which is really neat to hear about that. So remember the Ottersons and the Sehestids. Amen. Good evening, everyone. See y'all out tonight. Got some uh, praises to pass your way. So uh, last week we were asking prayers for the church planning conference down at Heartland, and uh, glad to report at least what what's been announced so far. Over nine hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars 
given in one time uh, donations through the three days of the meeting last week and then over 10,000 per month uh, on top of that that would help the different ministries. I think 29 different men got to get up and share their their burden about where God's taken them and so uh, the Lord really blessed in that uh, number nearly a million dollars there and so thank you for praying for that and of course if you didn't get to go but you're curious they do record those you can go on to Heartland's website and they have that where you can kind of go on and see and the preaching was really good so so that's a blessing uh, also if you haven't seen but the the corns shared with us that they're expecting uh, number five and so uh, brother Dave and Miss Joy Corn that were here earlier in the year so we rejoice with them there it's uh, hard to believe we're almost a year at, uh, since they were here last year uh, but be praying for the corns uh, miss brenda shared a praise uh, miss b had surgery uh, the other day uh, went well she's at home waiting for a couple of days for the uh, results of that so pray for miss b there but uh, good a good procedure so far and then really uh, pleased to share that we had 69 on bus tonight on a dreary, foggy, scary to drive night. Uh, thankful for the kids coming out and uh, we got some new families even tonight from it. And so uh, bus two beat bus one on attendance. So anyhow, uh, really, really exciting there to, uh, to see that come in. And uh, our record is 70, so we almost got it tonight. And so really a blessing there. A couple of things tied to the bus, if you could pray for uh, Miss Cheryl Fletcher, uh, just a sweet lady we love very much. She sits right over here by Brother Matt Owens. Uh, she has, the last couple of weeks, come up to express her appreciation for our church having a bus ministry. Uh, if you don't know, she was in an accident, not able to drive right now. And so she's transitioned over to the bus ministry for every service. And she keeps reminding us that if we didn't do this, she wouldn't have a way of coming. And she likes watching it online, but uh, being in person so much better. And so thanks for... Uh, supporting the church as you support the church through tithes and offerings that makes way for us to purchase vehicles and pay for the gas and the things that we invest into that ministry and if you drive thank you for being a part of that that's uh, obviously a lifeline for people that don't have a way to get here any other way 69 kids tonight wouldn't have made it if if we couldn't and uh, do pray for Miss Cheryl though she's out ill tonight uh, she'd appreciate that and then also a, uh, a praise slash prayer request I got a card, I've been meaning to share this for a couple of weeks, I won't read it all to you, but got a card, uh, as you know, we, we give to the Angel Tree uh, each December. Uh, families can uh, make a donation or buy a gift and then we pass it along to a family on the bus ministry and this year we approached it a little different. We just took donations and then we were wanting to try to just be a blessing to all of our families. We have about 42 or three families that we uh, have a part of the bus. And so a little bit different approach to do it that way. Well, we got a card from one of them. And long story short, she said that going into Christmas, they had an issue, I think a pipe broke in their house and they're having to do some repairs, very costly, had to move out. We're praying for a miracle because all the resources were going to that, just getting the house back in order. And um, so she goes over to the house one day to check on the repairs, opens, uh, well, she goes to the house, her brother, is there helping with the repairs and ask if she's checked her mail recently because it looks like it's overflowing and you just never know there might be a check in the mail and she's like yeah right and but she's like you know we have been praying for a miracle to happen i don't know how we're going to make it through christmas and she opens up the mail and our card was in there that had the gift cards in it and she said that it was god's answer to her prayer and uh, she shared that uh, they were able to purchase some uh, luggage uh, that they needed for a trip that they were leaving on last week 
And so it allowed them to go on this trip. They had no idea how they could do it otherwise. And so if you were a part of giving, thank you for doing that. It's a blessing when we get to hear back from them. And it took a of a very timely need there. The need is this. If you could add a little girl to your list, her name is Layla uh, Reeves. She's a five-year-old. I've shared with you about her before, but uh, she's up at the Cleveland Clinic right now. She's got a, a condition, sarcoidosis, I think. I don't know if that's exactly right, but that's what it looks like, sarcoidosis. And um, anyhow, it's, it's very rare. Uh, she's had it all of her life, and she's getting a lot of tests done and procedures done. I don't know for how long we'll be up there, but they've been up there for a week already. And so the luggage that we were able to help them purchase is part of what's got them there. But uh, I assured her we'd be praying. So if you could pray for Layla Reeves, again, a little five-year-old on the bus, they would definitely appreciate that. And then also on the request side, we obviously have several out sick. I mentioned Miss Cheryl, but several in the school and probably no doubt some in the church. If you could just pray for one another in that way. Uh, Brother Bill Dewey called and asked if we could put uh, a coworker there uh, with him, Manning Goodman. Uh, I guess he had a seizure today. I'm not sure if at work or at home, but he's in the hospital right now and uh, could use some prayers. So Manning Goodman. And then uh, Miss Eddie Morris put on our Facebook page a request for prayer. She switched over to a different pain medicine for some joint pain she's got and just praying that that will help her through right now. And I believe right now that's all I've got from either being turned in or called in. So we'll drop down to the floor. Anybody with a praise or prayer request, either side here, Brother Tyler right up front. Miss Karen, okay. Marla Gamble is sick and needs a lot of prayer right now. Okay. Miss Marla. Okay, Brother Tyler, I think, uh, right here, Miss Melissa. I want to praise uh, everybody that prayed for my dad. He had a stroke a while back, mm -hmm. and um, he did some tests. They had did some testings and a CT scan, and the whatever was on his brain is mm -hmm. like gotten smaller. And there's Amen. they did tests, and Amen. he's doing great. So thank you so much. And I also have a unspoken. Okay. Can you pay? Um, my grandfather, my half wife died um, a couple weeks ago uh, while I was out on the road. Mm -hmm. um, but she died suddenly. Um, one minute they, he said that she had fell and they had to replace her hip to a certain degree. And the next minute they said that all of a sudden her vitals, they put her in a nurse home, started getting her to mm -hmm. get where she was going to start getting up and walking. And then next minute, they said that all of a sudden her vitals started going crazy and mm -hmm. they never could get her back. And mm -hmm. so now my grandfather, which was my mom's, my, my mom's dad, is going through everything. And this is the second time that he's going through it now. And this is your grandpa's? Yeah, my mom's dad. Right, but it was his wife that passed? Yes. Okay. And also my, my uh, dad and stuff of his legs. So that they haven't delivered his vacations or anything, and he's been dealing with a lot of um, pain and stuff like that, where he's having a hard time getting out of bed and things. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep praying for Dina's dad, and then pray for Grandpa as he's lost his wife here just just recently. 
Okay, I think I saw Miss Mary Tyler uh, there in the pink shirt. Like to ask prayer for uh, Pastor John Newberry in Joplin, Missouri. He's pastored for over 50 years in the doctors. He has severe cancer, has given him 30 to 60 days to live. He gladly knows that he's headed for heaven, but uh, the ending uh, pain of this uh, cancer can be severe. So we need to pray that uh, it'll be quick. Okay. Is it John Newberry? Yes, sir. Okay, all right, we'll do that, Miss Mary. Okay, anybody else this side? All right, Brother Tyler, let's move over here. We got Eric, Brother Eric, right behind you here in the aisle. A friend of mine, uh, he's actually, him and his wife have come here as guests a couple of times now, but their uh, daughter, uh, Abby Kirkendall, has had some issues. I, I don't know if it's cancer or something with her, her brain, but. Uh, she gets numbness and, and different feelings in her body. She's had treatment for the past year, she, but she's going back in. I believe she went in this week. Mm -hmm. So just prayers for her, please. Okay. And that was Abby, you said? Kirkland. Kirkland. Okay. All right. And then let's see, uh, Miss Lisa at the back. I have two. Um, Kendra, my daughter-in-law. Um, text me tonight her brother and sister-in-law had a baby last week healthy mm -hmm. um, but their prayer is um, her sister-in-law her name is Shiloh Ray and today she um, they admitted her to the hospital with um, swelling and she was having trouble breathing um, they think it's the onset of um, heart failure and she has a week old baby. And so um, they need to get that under control. Um, they say if they can't get it under control, she can't have any more children. Um, and then secondly, Kendra teaches and coaches at Moreland School District out in the Panhandle. And yesterday, today, they closed because of a threat and an unknown threat that they're not saying anything to the public. And um, Keith texted me again tonight, said they're closing again tomorrow with no um, explanation. So, okay. um, just keep Moreland in your prayers. Moreland. Okay, we got that down. Okay, and it was Shiloh Ray? Okay, all right, perfect. And then Brother Jim? Yes, uh, please pray for a co-worker's uh, brother for me. His name's uh, Tyler Vincent, and he has cancer, and it's not looking good. And then please say prayer for my son and daughter-in-law. The grandgirls have the flu. Oh, no, okay. Okay, uh, brother, uh, let's see, we got Brother Mike right here, and then Brother Brian. Right here, Tyler. Sorry, right. right. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my um, grandson, Jake Spotted Bear, was in a wrestling tournament in Kingfisher, and he had a pretty severe injury. Um, ended up breaking two vertebrae in his neck, and uh, he had a severe concussion. Um, the, the brakes are not displaced or anything. There is no danger to 
they, they expect that to heal really quickly, but his memory's not coming back real fast. Um, he still doesn't recognize kids that he's grown up with. Mm. Um, he's in ninth grade at, in Newkirk, and uh, just pray for his memory to come back and the healing and everything goes, goes well. And, and his name is Blake? Jake. Jake. Hey, Brother Brian. So this week I'm praying uh, uh, those that know that every year in January we go back to Arkansas the church we came out of and do a wild game and cook there. Out of the 10 years we've been here, that's the first year that my son and grandkids, actually the grandkids used to come. Mm. He actually came uh, and said that Saturday we mm. had a very good uh, salvation message preached about 300 people there that attended that wild game cook. Uh, preacher there always gets somebody coming preach a message and then they, they came to church Sunday so we just praise the Lord that he came to church that's the church in the neighborhood right there and just good to see mm -hmm. him there so now they expect him to be there Sunday yeah. I actually told him Saturday that he wasn't going to be there mm -hmm. but he showed up Neat. so I Amen. praise the Lord for his heart that's good praise the Lord for that yeah sir absolutely what's his name Blake Blake had a lot of a lot of lost people. A lot of people have been invited. So that church runs about 120, mm -hmm. and there was about 300 people that oh. showed up there. Oh. Really good. Baptist yeah. Church opens the kitchen, and there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, good, good deal. That's good. Okay. Anybody this far side over here? Anybody I missed? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, let's take a moment and we'll lift these up here. So, dear Lord, we do thank you for the day. Thank you for giving us a warm and comfortable place to be to worship you tonight. And God's grateful for uh, just the um, the protection you gave everybody that was here Sunday and getting home with the roads being slick, Lord, that we know of no incidents involved. And then, Lord, coming in tonight with fog, we know the devil's not really pleased with what's going on here. And so, though we don't like the elements at times, it's just a reminder, Lord, of Seeing the blessing here means that he's going to try to deter people from coming. Thank you that that didn't work tonight, and that we've got a good crowd here amongst us and then in the other parts of the building. Uh, Lord, thankful for uh, the good work you did at the conference last week at Heartland. Thank you, Lord, that uh, so many dollars were invested to see churches like this established and uh, strengthened and enabled, Lord, to accomplish greater work so that they can perpetuate it on to the next generation, God. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Micah being with us this Sunday and just sharing the update on Ridgepoint. And, Lord, just to see the work that you've done through him and uh, with Miss Rebecca and, and now the, the kids, Lord, in that ministry has been astounding in just three years. And just pray that you'd help uh, their ministry to continue to thrive and to reach new people and to continue to work in the lives of those that they've already connected to. Lord, we thank you for Miss B and just the uh, legacy she has here at Central as her and Brother B came uh, nearly 60 years ago at this point, Lord, to invest in a little town that a lot of people drive by and don't even know about, Lord, and a little church that most people wouldn't have ever known of, Lord, and we look at what you've done through this ministry and can see the vinegars all throughout it, Lord, and just thankful that their uh, lineage is continuing to invest here and just pray that you'd uh, bless that investment, Lord, and bless them for investing. And God, I do pray for Miss B as she's recovering, that she gets good results from that test from that surgery uh, lord thank you for the update on the corns and just excited for them we rejoice with them and just pray your blessings on the pregnancy there lord thank you for melissa's dad 
getting in, uh, good good news on the situation with his brain, and just pray that that would continue to uh, resolve itself. God, we thank you for uh, Brother Brian's son, Blake, uh, being able to be in service this weekend and hear the gospel and just at least be uh, available to hear from you and just pray that you'd continue to work in his life. Lord, we thank you for this Hastids there in Romania, their faithfulness for the years, and the Ottersons in Ethiopia. Lord, a couple that's been on the mission field for 50 years now, Lord, and still faithfully serving you. Just pray that you'd meet their needs, help them as they finish out that new building to be able to continue to reach more and more. God, pray for those that are out sick tonight. We've got the Silers grandkids out. We've got Miss Marley Gamble sick, uh, Miss Cheryl Fletcher, and others. Pray that you'd bring healing to them. Pray for uh, Dina's family, just her dad and his physical pain, and then her grandpa as he's lost his, his wife of uh, several years. Lord, pray that you'd give peace and, and encouragement to them. And God, for uh, John Newberry, uh, as he has uh, served you faithfully in his life uh, as a pastor there in Joplin, and now, Lord, has reached the end, and Lord, unfortunately, is in a lot of pain right now. Just pray that you'd help the passing to be peaceful and with family, Lord, and that you'd help his legacy to continue to encourage others for generations to come. Lord, pray for Abby Kirkendall and the needs that she has there, for uh, Kendra Hoover's sister-in-law, uh, Shiloh Ray, as she's uh, in the hospital now with some swelling, and Lord, uh, difficulty breathing and unknown what's going on there. Pray for her and pray for the little baby that you'd give uh, just um, a quick reunion and they could get home and things would be good. Pray for the school there in Moreland that you'd help them to work through whatever's going on and that they'd uh, keep everybody safe. Lord, for Tyler Vincent uh, dealing with cancer, uh, for uh, Jake Spotted Bear as he's uh, dealing with some injuries from a tournament recently and memory issues, just pray that you'd bring those back. Lord, pray for uh, little Leela Reeves, Lord, up in Cleveland. Pray that you'd help her to get the help she needs and be able to get some um, some tools that will help her life to, to be a little bit easier. Uh, Lord, pray for Manning Goodman and family as he's dealing with the uh, seizure. Lord, pray that you'd help them to get that taken care of. For Miss Eddie as she's working through some new medication, that you'd help it to, to work for her. And uh, God, for uh, the service to come, or the, remaining, the remainder of the service, I should say. Lord, as we get to sing once more and then as we turn our attention to your word, we look forward to getting into a new series and just pray that you'd help us to be open and attentive to hear from you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me one more time as we sing. <clears throat> sunshine in the soul. There is sunshine in my soul today. More glorious and bright than glows in any earthly skies. For Jesus is my light. Oh, there's sunshine, blessed sunshine. Forty-three. How about that? Sorry about that. They must be having trouble getting that up tonight. So, all right, four forty-three is the page on the second verse. Now, there is music in my soul today. A carol to the King, and Jesus listening can hear the songs I cannot sing. 
Amen. Thank you, Brother Andy. Appreciate that. Definitely so. We're in Ecclesiastes, and uh, it's our study on Wednesday nights. We started a week ago or so, and kind of gave you the overview of that. And now we're going to jump into it. And uh, I've already had several people say they're looking forward to this study, that uh, it is their favorite book uh, in the Bible, or one of their favorite books. I cannot say that. Uh, of course, as a preacher, every book is my favorite, except for this one. How's that? You say, why? Uh, I, I got to be honest with you, I, I have the exact opposite. I dread the book of Ecclesiastes uh, because it's depressing to me. Okay, you say, this is going to be interesting. Oh, it, it is. It's going to be a very interesting series. So you're going to have to pray a lot, is what it is. I got that, though, from uh, honestly, as you look at it, and we'll see you here in Ecclesiastes 1, but... Um, Years ago, when I decided to do my postgraduate studies, uh, my goal when I became pastor, I was very young, and I said, I just need to keep learning. I just wanted to keep learning and growing. I actually had no aspirations for any particular degree or anything. Uh, it just developed that way because I took so many classes. It's like, if you had so many classes, it's like, oh, wow, two more classes. Oh, okay, that's fine. You know, so it kind of just developed. But my goal has always been to keep growing, keep learning, keep studying, um, you know, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And I thought was well, a pastor, that especially applies to me. I want to make sure I know the Word of God at the best of my ability and can explain it. So in that, one of the very first classes I took of interest to me was a class on apologetics. And uh, that apologetics class is what I call classic apologetics. In other words, it studies like the big questions like the existence of God, meaning of life, things like that. And in there, the professor decided that the track that he would give us was to study the ancient philosophers. And I'm like, seriously, that's what we're going to do. And uh, so we had these books we had to read. And uh, uh, so we had to read these books. And there's Kierkegaard and Kant and Nietzsche. And, and uh, I, I began to read them and to get into them. And, and that's where I became, it is so depressing. I mean, literally, as I'm reading this, I'm going, who believes this stuff? And uh, so I did. I got into them, began to read them, began to go through it. Um, one of the things I learned from it, though, was this, that uh, most of them had major mental problems. So the great philosophers, or so-called great philosophers, ended up being mentally insane, which I knew from their reading. I'm going to help you real quick. Uh, I'm reading this going, oh, man. I mean, it literally was blowing my mind. So I looked this up, uh, just to go back to some of our old studies, the philosopher Philip mainlander hung himself after the publication of his work he considered the universe not as the benign creation of a god but rather as the after effect of god's suicide and cosmic evolution as the decaying process of god's remains thus why the entropic principle is at work everywhere everything in the universe decays and even the universe itself will find its ultimate fate in a heat of death Life is not a struggle for survival, but rather a process of mutual destruction that catalyzes the decaying process. Does that not depress you? So, so I'm getting into this going, wow, human reasoning. Well, again, that really is, Solomon begins from that vantage point we're going to see, from a human reasoning, his observations as he's looking at things from man's perspective is what it is and what he comes up with. I went on to read a little bit more, uh, Frederick Nietzsche died after a mental breakdown. Uh, these are all philosophers. Eilenkov uh, committed suicide. Pulinazzi committed suicide. Uh, Kolzer 
committed suicide with his third wife. Um, let's see, he died of a disease. Uh, Stove committed suicide. Kaufman committed suicide. Deboard committed suicide. Deleuze committed suicide. Should I go on? I mean, literally, these are supposed to be the great philosophers, and, uh, but here's the problem. They never had any good conclusion. They had nothing. It was Nietzsche himself who wrote in, in one of his articles. He said, really, he goes, I've come to the realization that philosophy is nothing but, and I want to put it in these words, the musings of individuals, and it, the ending becomes a self-biography, is what he said. In other words, Nietzsche came to this conclusion as he read all the philosophers and was supposedly one himself, that really all this is is the musings of individuals as they're observing things, and then it becomes really their life experiences, as he went on to say. And he wrote, they wrote about their experiences, published those things, put them out, and people now begin to follow them or think there's something great. And we can go on and on in these. We, we had to do this for a long time to study these individuals. You know? And uh, so for me, it was like, oh. So when I get into Ecclesiastes and I see Solomon starting this way, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. But it's a great reminder. And I think we'll get some great truths out of it. We talked about the meaning of life, and, and really Ecclesiastes is about that. It's about life and where meaning is found. And we're going to look at this, and, and a lot of what we're going to look at is Solomon giving perspectives of things he's experiencing. Now, don't miss this. Throughout the book, most of the book, void of God. Now, that's a key principle. So he's describing. There, there's different ways that the Bible writes. There's a prescriptive. It prescribes things. Thou shalt, thou shalt not principles to follow. Then there's descriptive. It's just describing something. Sometimes we'll take things too far because it was just a descriptive passage. Somebody sharing something through inspiration, describing an event or what happened. And so some of this, that's really what Solomon's doing. From the wisdom God gave him, he's going to jump into and investigate everything in life. And we'll go down that trek with him for a little bit. But in this, he comes to these conclusions that we, we mentioned last week, and we'll get to some of those. But today we look at chapter 1, and we'll stand into our reading, and I titled this, Life Without God is Empty. Life Without God is Empty. And we see this at the beginning, one of the classic verses here in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So let's do our reading today. We'll then try to detail it out and come up with something better than the vanity of life. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath the man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One, then he explains, one generation passeth away, another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. See, this sounds like those philosophers. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. 
This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and I have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. For much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Lord, we come to you now, Lord, as we know by inspiration you wanted Solomon to pen these words, or they were to be a guidance to us, Lord, a warning, a giving of truth, that we might seek that which is true. So, Lord, help us tonight now as we go on this journey through Ecclesiastes, Lord. Guide each step of the way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I'm a person by, by, I guess, nature, and I guess I was blessed to be saved when I was young. I, I, my wife tells me I have a different perspective on life than most people, and uh, I don't know how you want to take that. But anyways, uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, yeah, I, I, I do see, see life, and uh, I think because I've been saved so long, uh, I at least try to view things through God's eyes rather than man's eyes. And uh, so I do find purpose. I do find meaning in life. And I believe we will and we can, even as we go through this. Uh, but so often, so many people's journey ends in emptiness. It is a life that, that is empty. Uh, it is. There's moments, there's events. But if you read, if you pay attention, and the older people get, there's sorrow, there's pain. And we'll go through all that in Ecclesiastes. And yet when you, when you take God out of the equation, it's like these old philosophers who finally decided to take their life. There's no meaning. There's no meaning. Why go to work? Why build anything? Why pay bills? Why do anything? I mean, why do anything, uh, really? And some people take that. Some people do nothing. Uh, they, they live on the beach or they uh, live out in the wilderness. Uh, they don't interact with anybody. They don't do anything. They're like, life has no meaning. Uh, and you can imagine that existence is a difficult one. And here Solomon, as he begins, talks about that, lays the foundation that all is vanity, key word as we know. And he begins to give us just some pictures. So I'm going to go through some observations here. This example of, of uh, vanity, he talks about in verse 4, and we walk through it, but he says this, uh, as he says, one generation passes away, another generation cometh. And I wrote down, he talks about life and death. Now, let's just be honest, you're born and, and you die. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, we talk about that dash in between, but the fact of the matter is, from the beginning of time, everybody's born and everybody passes away. Now, I'm going to segue into that real quick. I, I'm always amazed in America how that throws so many people off when somebody passes away. And yet every generation passes away. There's only two people we know that didn't die. And if you want to count Jesus, there's three. How's that? You know, but outside of that, from a physical human standpoint, everybody passes away. Uh, and even here he says that. He goes, that is the cycle of life. There's this generation and we're going to pass off and it'll be the next generation. He'll get into some more of that as he goes on. He goes, that is something you can observe. And he says, well, it's vanity. I mean, there's just, it's just like you're not going to exist forever from a human standpoint, okay? If you just take it from a human standpoint. Then he goes to the second. He says, not only is there life and death, but he says nature itself keeps repeating. And you saw there the sun rises, it goes back to where it came from. And the next day, it does it again. The wind goes to the south, it goes to the north. He goes, what about the rivers? I mean, they go into the ocean. The ocean doesn't fill up. Uh, it filters back down, and, and those waters go back underground, go back into the rivers again, or become rain, and come back through. And he goes, it's like an endless cycle. And now let's just be honest. 
It is, is it not? If you look at nature, it continues to repeat itself. Uh, that's why today we can follow weather patterns and we understand what's happening. Why? There's a constant cycle that mankind has always had. It's not new. And if it goes on later, there's nothing new under the sun. It's, it's not new at all. It's always been there. And so he's talking about nature and he's talking about life. And then again, his tag to this is what emptiness? What emptiness? The wind comes, the wind goes. The sun comes, the sun goes. You know, uh, the rivers come. What's the purpose of this? And so this is what he's putting out as he evaluates. And then he says this. He goes down and he says, uh, All things, in verse 8, are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. He goes, What good is it to see and hear and gain an education and wisdom and knowledge? Even though Proverbs we went through and God tells us to pursue that, of course, through him. But again, he said, what's, what's the good of this? And he's outlaying this thing. And that's why I said, when I get to into this, I'm like, I'm depressed reading this. You know, why, why did I get an education? Why do I go to work? And, you know, and, and why do we do what we do? It's just like emptiness, emptiness, emptiness. And so he lays this all out in front of us because he wants us to understand that. And then he says this, which we look at, which is one of the key verses we quote a lot. Uh, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done, it shall, is that which shall be done. We know that as fads in our world. They all come back, amen? And there is no new thing under the sun. Now, people challenge probably that verse. They're like, yeah, well, there wasn't Apple phones back, you know, a thousand years ago, you know? And there's two ways to interpret this. Because, right, there are new inventions all the time. But, but let me help you with that. Either A, he's talking about everything he said just above. Uh, with the nature. Nature is the same. It's going to come. It's going to go. But I do think it's deeper than that. There really is nothing new. You say, nah, preacher, they didn't have internet, didn't have phones. Right. But all the components were there. Nothing new has been created. All, all we've done is figured out how to use it differently. But the components have always been there. They've always, they could have had internet a thousand years ago. I mean, if you think about it, it's always been there. All the components have been there. It's not like we created something new out of nothing. He's saying God created everything. He put everything in its pattern. It's not new. It's just applied in a different way. Uh, the fact of the matter is, I, I put down here, the components have always been uh, there. How we use them is what is different. But deeper than that is the sun rose on the last generation. It set on them. Their rivers flowed into the ocean in the last generation. It'll do it in the next. The fact of the matter is it's always going to be the same. We use that phrase all the time. Nothing new under the sun. Someone will come up with something saying, man, I, I tell our students in school about that, especially when it comes to the Word of God. Somebody would be studying and come up with something you've never heard before. This was always one of my favorite passages. I'm like, no, it's new to you, but it's not new. As a matter of fact, even scarier, if you found something that no other preacher has ever found, stop and think about that. Either you're the smartest person to ever walk on planet Earth, or you probably missed the point. Okay, you're, you're pro probably not there. Okay, why? Because why? there isn't something new. Okay, again, maybe new to you. So I lay that foundation and we lay that out and I'm studying this week going, Lord, you have to help me because I can't just come in on Wednesday night and go, everything's worthless. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can't. So Solomon lays this out and lays this groundwork. Uh, we see some truths I want to give you tonight. And there'll be some repetition throughout this series and we're going to look at some things and Chapter 2 and chapter 3, some of the most famous chapters will be hidden into those. But I began to look at this, and this is what I came up with. Number one, life is full of unceasing changes. 
Life is full of unceasing changes, and the only constant we possess is Jesus and the Word of God. And I want you to understand that. First of all, I think what you ought to get from this is this. Life changes all the time. If you stop and think about that, there's nothing new under it, but it changes. There's life, there's death, there's nature. I mean, everything changes. The fact of the matter is change is part of life. And even as I looked at this and, and I see and those that make it in life understand and they're able to go with the changes. They're able to understand the change. And again, don't take that too far. We're not talking about changing our doctrines at Central Baptist Church. No, no. But we're just talking about life and things change. Uh, we saw the picture. We were talking about Hunter's pictures he found pulled out. And they had a picture of me up there. And I know some of you are going, who's that? I know, you don't have to say it, be like, who's that? And then they showed a picture of Brother Lynn, and, well, that was just hilarious. But anyways, uh, and, and, uh, but, but, you know, they went through all that, but we change. I mean, we change. One of the hardest things for me as a pastor, I've been here a long time, and, and it's happened to me two or three times this last week, and uh, uh, I, being a youth director, and somebody will come up to me, they were in my youth department, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, and now they're older. They're like 40s, you know, and so forth. They're like, hey, remember me? And I'm looking at them going, no, you know, and sometimes I, I kind of I go, I, I kind of see the face, but I'm like, no, you, you, it was like 30 years ago, you know, you grew up, you changed. So the eyes may be the same, but different height and different sizes, you know, and, and it, can we not be honest? Things change. That's just part of it. And I think as Christians, when we said it, we ought to get that. We always want things to say, say the same and it sounds good, but can we just be honest? They don't. People pass away. People, life and death, people pass away. Things do change. But there's one constant. And when we go through here and we see all these changes, the constant we know in Hebrews 13 is this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I tell you through this, folks? Life is vanity. If you're going to trust in this life, and you're going to hang on to things in this life, understand, they, they change. People change. I mean, I've been in this, doing church long enough to know people change for the good and people change for the bad. I've known people sold out for Jesus Christ and turned to the bad. I mean, seriously, we, we've seen that. And I mean, if, you, if I would have had to guess, I never would have guessed that. But life is full of so many things, and you, you can't guarantee that because they're not God. All of a sudden, one day, they change. Now, I don't worry about that, and I don't fret about that. I don't wonder if you're the next one. You know what I'm saying? But I've seen the reverse. People that I thought, never going to make it. No, seriously, I'm like, if I have to be honest as a pastor... You know, we always have to be hopeful and stuff. And I am by nature. I'm like, hey, God can. But inside, sometimes like God can, but it ain't happening to you. You know, no, we don't ever say that. And you say, could you tell me who you're thinking about? No. But, but I'm going to tell you from a human perspective, I have thought that in my head. Kept quiet and thinking, no way. And God get a hold of someone's life. You're like, okay, you know what? That's God. I mean, that is God. And, and so, so we get that. But we can't guarantee any of that. But you know what we can guarantee? I can pick up this book anytime I want. And it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what I love about being a Christian? It's not empty. We're going to see that throughout the study. It's not empty. You want meaning in life? There's one way. No, there's one way for meaning in life through Jesus Christ. One constant. If everybody else leaves you, passes away, abandons you, one person will be there, Jesus Christ. One truth will stand the test of time. That doesn't change. It's always there. Why? His truth. And so when I go through Ecclesiastes, this is still kind of an overview, and we get into some of these, what I call, at least for me, depressing passages, where I'm looking at it going, wow, that'd be miserable to live that way. 
And there's a lot of people living that way. And they have no hope in life. And they've maybe taken their eyes off of Jesus. And they've, they've gotten away from this truth, trying to find happiness somewhere else. Can I tell you? It doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work. And so my first thought that I came as I'm reading through and seeing all this emptiness and pain and worthlessness of labor and work, I, I said, but God, there's got to be something more. And he says, well, there is. There, there's me. There's me. And may I remind you that whatever you do for Christ will last. Will last. No, no. Whatever you do for Jesus Christ will last. Can you imagine you toil in this life? You work 40 or 50 years. And, and to me, that's so depressing to think about that. Uh, I've known people that work all their life to retire and then die. Now, stop thinking about that. I mean, work all your life. You've saved up for 30, 40 years. You're going to get an RV and travel. You don't make it. No, seriously, you don't make it. Uh, you or your spouse catches cancer, some other disease. You're going to doctors. That money's now spent on that. Now you're getting older. You don't have the physical ability to travel. And you've just spent your whole life building up for that event. You know how depressing that is? Can you stop and think about that? Do you know how many people I've talked to in this church that have gone through that? And they're like, preacher, you got to help me out. I'm bitter. You know, my, my husband said we would do all this scrimping and saving. And when we get to this point, now we're going to just kind of enjoy life. And then he didn't want to do anything or he got sick. Wow. But you know what? If that's all you have in life and that's your plan, can I tell you? It's very empty. So it's very empty. But when your faith is in Jesus and you're living for him, can I tell you? It doesn't matter what comes. Why? You have hope. And you know, whatever you do for Jesus will last. Because the Bible talks about his rewards that are eternal, not just temporal, no, but are eternal. And the fact of the matter is when I read this, you basically, as he's going to get to the end, he's saying, no, you don't want a path of emptiness. But I'm going to tell you, if you're a Christian or not, if you're going to live this world's life, you should reread Ecclesiastes 1 over and over and over. Why? It's nothing. Nothing. When people get to the pinnacle of their job, the pinnacle of their life, if they're honest, they sit there and they go, this is it. So this is it. And inside they're going, wow, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Why? doesn't make sense. So number one. Number two, and I like this, we must realize that the physical realm was never meant to bring us lasting pleasure or satisfaction. I think when he writes this, I think the key here is this. In verse 8, he says, All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Look at that. All things are full of labor. And man cannot utter or even understand it. But then he says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. In other words, he's saying this, in this physical realm, can we be honest? You never have total satisfaction. What do you mean, preacher? Okay. How many of you uh, ate yesterday? Yeah, so some of you are fasting. That's good. How many of you ate on Sunday? Last week? Yeah. How many of you ate again today? Pigs. <laughs> How many of you plan to eat tomorrow? You disgusting people. Yeah. yeah, we all are, amen? And not one meal. Three. Three meals. Some of you are going, I only eat two. Well, goody for you. Okay? I mean, I know, but the fact about it, come on, let's just be honest. My wife has cooked some amazing meals. And you know what? I want another one. No. We we're talking just yeah, then. She goes, she's tired of cooking. I'm like, mm, can't do that. Because I'm not tired of eating. But I, but I know why she's tired. You know why? She's like, what, what's the purpose? Doesn't matter what I make. I got to make it again tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I like that. 
That's a, no, that's a good thing. This isn't bad. Please start thinking differently. You know, but, but isn't that true? That's something that ladies, you clean the house. It gets dirty again. And if you have kids within an hour, <laughs> you do the laundry. When does that stop? You know what I'm saying? All I'm saying is this. Man, you, you can go have the best meal you can imagine. You know, for me, that's going to be a juicy steak, baked potato or mashed potatoes, soft roll with butter in the middle of it, a couple green beans just to say it's healthy. Not a lot, just a couple green beans on the side. I'll even take a salad, you know, and it's like best meal ever. I mean, best meal. And when I'm done, I'm like, oh, that, that was phenomenal. But I'm not satisfied. I'm satisfied for that night, that minute, that hour. I've enjoyed it. But I don't get up the next day and go, no, that meal was so good, I won't eat for a couple days. And even if I decide to do that for whatever health reason, I still long for more food. In other words, what he's saying is nothing physically fully satisfies us. We always want more. How many millionaires get their money and stop? There's just, there's like, it's not enough. The old saying of Rockefeller, you know, they asked him, that's an old thing, but they asked him, you know, when's enough enough? He's like, one more dollar. One more. I mean, really? You're a multimillionaire, you gotta have one more dollar? I mean, when do you stop? Well, I'm saying this, in, in this design, in our physical realm, are you ready? The physical realm, don't miss this, the physical realm was never, ever, ever meant to fully satisfy. Not that you wouldn't enjoy it. I believe as we'll get into it, and, and I'll just tell you now, I do believe we, we ought to enjoy what God gives us. I, I really do, and we're going to see some of that. Uh, but that's from a Christian's perspective. But it's also realizing it's not a permanent thing. But each event, each time, it's like taking each day and thanking God for it. Why? Because God's provided it. And God's given us something. But it's also realizing that life goes on tomorrow, and it's a new set and a new day. But I was never designed. So, so here's the thing. If you give your life to this world, to this world, here's the problem. Everyone wants a meaning in life, and in that meaning, this is what's going to be there. I want to be happy. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be happy. Now, I want to be happy. But here's the problem. Do you know how many people, including Christians, pursue the happiness in the things of this world, and just in chapter 1, without going into detail of chapter 2 yet, Solomon's already saying, you can't find it that way. You're going to find nothing but emptiness in everything that you pursue. And yet, by droves, by droves, lost and saved people still take the pathway of the world and all the depression and all the pain and all the sorrow it has over thus saith the word of God, trying to fulfill physical pleasures in a way that can't be. Lastly, I put that, and I read this, and I'm like, it caught my attention. A quote by C.S. Lewis. If there is nothing under the sun that fully satisfies, then maybe we should be looking above the sun or to the sun. He wrote this, and I'm going to just quote him. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing called food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing called water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire with which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly desires satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only arouse it 
to suggest the real thing. I'm like, stop and think about that. That's deep and that's true. In other words, God created us. He created all these desires. But, like, but I can't get satisfaction or fulfillment in it. What, did you ever guess that maybe it was never designed to be fully fulfilled in this life or on this earth? Oh. Well, well then, how does it get fulfilled? Could it be that God says there's, there's a higher meaning, a spiritual way? And besides the physical, there's, there's a spiritual walk. And God says when we talk so much about developing a relationship with me and following me that just maybe that's what God wanted. And it was to arouse these desires inside of you. But the only way to find fulfillment, isn't this genius? The only way to find fulfillment would be through Jesus Christ. In other words, we pray and we thank God for our food and find satisfaction that God provided food. Well, that's a wonderful thing. I like food. It's a good thing. But within the context of thanking God and believing it's from God, it brings some satisfaction. It brings some pleasure. It brings joy. Why? Because it's in and through Him. Once I, once I add the main component, the, the meaning of life, which is Jesus, once He's added to it, it changes everything. Life isn't empty and life isn't worthless. Why? Because we have meaning through Him. And whatever I do for Him matters. And I can actually find, already happiness and joy in this world as long as he's the center of it. You say, so you believe, uh, well, wait a minute, Solomon said it's vanity and emptiness. Oh yeah, from a world's perspective. He's going to go on, we're going to find out as we finish the books. But when you come from a Christian's perspective, it's different. Hey, Christians ought to be the most joyful people out there. Right? We have eternal life. No, we have Jesus. We, we see things differently. We thank God for the provisions in the daily, but really they can be taken away any time and it's okay. Why? We have an afterlife. No, no, we have a better life coming. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Can I remind you of that? No, no, we're passing through. If this was my home and this is it and this is all that I get, we revert back to chapter one. That's vanity and depression. But to realize that everything here will pass away and yes, burn up one day and, or the next generation gets it. But I'm just to enjoy this time right now. But my ultimate fulfillment will never come here. I'll have some good days and joyful days and I can find happiness in Christ. But wait a minute. But my ultimate satisfaction will be one day there with him. But because I have that perspective, I can also enjoy here because I get it. I'm not, trying to get every, wait, I'm not trying to get everything out of this life. Are you with me? I'm not trying to get everything out of this life. And if you are, Ecclesiastes 1. But if you're not, you're enjoying what God has given and provided, but the goal is one day with him, it changes everything. It's not all emptiness now. There is a purpose in life. And I love that aspect of it. Would you turn with me to Colossians? A couple of my favorite verses, Colossians chapter 3. These are good verses to remember. They'll be good verses for this book. We know of seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. But in Colossians 3, the Bible says this, beginning in verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Again, parallels with Matthew 6, 33, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. But I love verse 2. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. If I were to summarize Ecclesiastes 1, I'd say Colossians 3, 2 does it. Set your affections on things above. Solomon's just writing. He says, I'm going to give my observations. I'm telling you, as a preacher... And the wisdom I had, what I'm going to pursue, what I'm going to do, I'm going to experience everything in life. I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to tell you what it does, how it makes you feel from man's perspective. But if you set your thing, if you set your affections on things above, 
and not on things below, it changes the equation. Everything you experience, no way, everything you experience has purpose, has meaning. There's a God that is involved in it. No, no, there's a meaning be, behind me living and continuing to live for Jesus Christ through whatever circumstances that come and completing his will. Why? Because that's what he's told me to do. And by living the life that he's given me and setting my affections on him and the things above, I have purpose and happiness and I'm not connected to this earth. I walk in this earth because that's the way God's designed it. But I'm not so connected to this earth that when it changes, and it's going to change because we know it does. Why? That's what the Bible says. That I'm okay, it doesn't change me. Paul said, I know how to bow and I know how to be abased. He got it. He goes, my affections are in things above. I'm living for God. If I get an extra steak meal, that's a good day. If I don't, still a good day. Why? I got Jesus. I have hope. I have direction. So Christian, I want to help you. There's no reason to be depressed. And don't take that farther. I know there's depressing days. I got you. I'm saying there's no reason to look at this life like, oh, it's just vanity and vanity. It's, it's, it's worthless. It is without him. It is without him. But once you add him, and you begin to learn about his word and the truth, everything has changed. And you can find real joy and happiness no matter what's happening in this world. And my prayer for our church is that that's where we'll end up by the end of this series. We'll understand the meaning of life, that it's him. And our affections and our eyes will be primarily up there. And that we won't look for this world to satisfy us. We'll find our satisfaction in him. In him alone. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now, Lord, as we've looked at chapter 1 and Solomon begins this journey, Lord. There are many others that would do a better job at this than, than myself, Lord. But as we take the journey, Lord, give me wisdom and ability to be able to explain things the way you want them explained. To bring hope, Lord, to the hopeless. To bring help, Lord, to those who need it. And Lord, for all of us, that we would understand the book of Ecclesiastes better and that our meaning and life are in you. That's the conclusion Solomon finally comes up with, Lord. But he articulates and explains through many chapters, Lord, why this world and the ways of this world, Lord, don't work. We'll learn some good truths, Lord. Truths that if we allow them, will benefit the rest of our lives. So help us and bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll continue next week. I, I do want to say congratulations again to the buses, 69. Um, again, you know, um, we weren't here years and years ago, uh, but uh, you start looking at that. I, I've been here a long time. And I mean, even on a Sunday, if we had 20, it was like a hallelujah day, you know, for years and years and years, and most of five times. So uh, I realize we've been seeing a lot on the buses, and you can kind of go, that's ah, normal. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing what God is doing and seeing these kids getting saved and lives changed. So I hope you continue to pray for our bus ministry, if you would. So Lord bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Hi, I'm Pastor John Waterloo. Thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of the service. I hope one day you can connect with us here in our church service as well. That'd be such a great blessing. Uh, we'd also like to let you know about just some other resources we have. You can jump on our Facebook page or our website, wherever you'd like, to find out about our ministries. But again, we'd love to have you join with us one day. Thank you so much for being in our services and may the Lord bless you.